an opportunity to share Christ, and He calls us to do so. And so not only am I a Christian, but also I get the privilege of sharing the gospel with others. And so last week we began looking at the practical side of starting the conversation. You know, how do you begin that? Whether we are witnessing to someone uh, we have known for only a few minutes or we're trying to witness to someone for a lifelong friend, it all starts with launching a conversation. And so for many believers, this is the most difficult part. And last week we talked about some, more, some uh, priorities that we must have. Today we're going to look at some, some strategy we must have. But it's like riding a bicycle. You remember those days? Or maybe you've watched your kids ride their bikes. I, all, every single one of my kids, they, they just took to it pretty naturally. But regardless, they're always going to wreck at some point or another. And so here's the secret. You're probably going to wreck one time or another. But you just got to get started. That's the hardest part. It's just getting started. We, we would, when we start our kids riding their bicycles, we'd start them at the top of a hill, and then that way we wouldn't have to push them. Amen? That means I didn't have to run behind them, but I'd start them at the top of a hill and let them get on it and just let them go and let them just start pedaling. And most of the time they'd find a spot where they couldn't go any further and they'd just fall over and we'd call it good and we'd come back to the top of the hill to where they could learn how to go without training wheels. And along the way they get some scrapes, they get some bruises, but you know, uh, the, the reality is they just have to practice it until they get it. Well, you know, we find it easy to talk to friends about uh, almost every subject except for sometimes spiritual issues. It's easy to talk to them about the sports, and it's easy to talk to them about the weather, and it's easy to talk to friends about uh, maybe their family or the, or the work situation. It's easy to talk about all of these things, but we, sometimes we have trouble directing the conversation to spiritual issues. And so how do we bridge this gap then between ordinary matters of life and the eternal values of Scripture? And so that's what tonight is hopefully going to help. Uh, and so this is what we want to do to help people tonight. And so last week we talked about priorities, right? Priorities in sharing the gospel is, one, a priority of personal holiness. And so this is just by way of review from last week because it ties together. People need to hear a message that's backed up by a faithful walk. they got to see that, you're gonna, uh, that your walk talks the same as your talk talks. So are you holy? Are you living for the Christ? The second thing we, we dealt with was the priority of relentless prayer. We must continue to pray for the lost, specifically, relentlessly, and faithfully, uh, and for opportunity to share the gospel, as well as for boldness to be able to open our mouth and to speak. These things are important. As we deal with sharing the gospel, prayer must be part of it because we cannot do it without Him. Remember, it is God that saves, it's not us. The third thing we dealt with was a priority of gospel memory. Now this is important, amen, especially as you get older. Maybe memory is not as sharp as it used to be. But, but regardless, we have to know what we're talking about. A workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so God calls us then to, to know what it is that we're, we're sharing. What has God done for you and can you find it in the Bible? That's what we talked about last time. And then finally, the conversation. And this really brings us to today. Building the, the, a strategy to, uh, to start and steer the conversation towards salvation in Christ. So there are many different, what you could call launching questions that are suggested by different subjects. You know, work, sports, politics, news, even mundane activities. But really, the key is God wants us to help people know who Christ is. So think about some comments that, uh, that you could make that might stimulate friends 
that might to, to think about some spiritual issues. So as we look at Christ, we find that he was able to take real-life conversations, real-life situations, and apply them to spiritual pr- truth. And so if you look in your Bible in Matthew chapter 4 tonight, this is an example that we want to see right from the pages of Scripture and from Christ's life, who was r- truly the master teacher in so many ways. Uh, but uh, in verse number 18, Matthew 4 and verse number 18, we're going to read verses 4 through 20, 18 through 22 together. It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left the ship and their father, and followed him. So let's stop and pray as we look at this and are challenged together tonight. Father, we thank you for uh, just your example here in Scripture as you obviously had a burden for people and souls and lives. And God, I pray that as we uh, think about this uh, and we, Lord, uh, are challenged tonight in sharing the gospel, that we would take the truths that we are learning, Lord, and be willing to act upon them and apply them in our everyday life and people that we're around every single day. I remember even last year, last week as we met, we took some time at the end, and we prayed for specific people that are around us. And so, God, I pray for those that we wrote on our lists, that, Lord, we would not forget them, but that, Lord, we would continue to pursue opportunities to share the glorious news of the gospel. The hope of all mankind is found in Jesus alone. And so help us tonight as we jump into the scriptures, Lord, that we would be encouraged and strengthened together. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at Christ's example, obviously we find him walking along a seashore. And I believe he was not aimlessly wandering there just on a casual walk. I spoke with the Baskins today and, and they were sharing with me that, that Sherry suffered for Jesus, taking many uh, walks along the seashore there in Southern California. I said, you know, I don't at all feel sorry for you. But he wasn't just aimlessly walking. There was a purpose. God, he knew he was there. He wasn't just skipping stones across the water, but he was there on purpose. There were people there he had observed. He had watched their life, and as they were casting their net into the sea, time had come for them to call them to a greater purpose than just earning a living or filling their belly. And so he used the illustration of of fishing to call them to himself. And he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So we look at Christ and think, man, I, I don't think I'd ever be that good. You ever think about that? Man, how he could take these normal, everyday conversations, these everyday situations, and he could make such powerful truth. But the reality is, is that uh, whether or not you're a gifted person in this realm is is irrelevant because this is an acquired skill that any of us, I believe, can can learn and use. You know, sometimes we think, well, and, and it's true, God gives some the gift of evangelism. They can go out and they can have a real burden for people and they can share the gospel. But we're all called in this room to be people who share the gospel. Every every Christian today is called to share the gospel with someone. And so that's every single one of us. And as we think about this, this is some tools that we can stick in our toolbox tonight so that we can do a greater job at winning the loss to Christ because Christ has left us here for this purpose. The only requirement is that we love people and have a desire to glorify God by being obedient to evangelize the world. 
So we're, today we're going to share the strategy. Not so much about a rigid outline that we're, you've got to follow as it is about a set of training wheels, if you will, to help those who haven't witnessed in a while or maybe you've never witnessed so you can help be a witness to those around you. And so remember, if our goal is to help everyone win one, then I want us to be able to have the tools that we can do that to share Christ. So let's talk about some steps here. Step one, start with a common conversation. And this is easy. Anybody I meet at Walmart, I can meet anybody. Uh, I tell my wife I've, I've got the, a, a label across my head that says, talk to me, uh, because I like to listen. And so anybody, everywhere I go, well, it just seems like people will talk. And so that's a curse and a blessing. You know, if you're in a hurry, it's not always a blessing. But, you know, God uses that and uses these common conversations that we have on a regular basis to be able to steer people to Jesus Christ. Uh, and so, honestly, sometimes I can get uh, in too big of a hurry and God has to slow me down and say, Listen, John, slow down and show interest in this person. You know, getting to know someone is just the beginning of a relationship. You know, think about some of those close relationships you have. I remember uh, when Chris and I were dating, we were getting to know one another. Is this someone that I want to spend the rest of my life with? Or friends that we have that we've uh, cultivated friendships with? You know, we look for some common ground. We look for some things and we get to show that interest in them and we begin to build upon that. You see, showing interest in a person's life gives that person a reason to talk to you and to listen. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so as we deal with the gospel, it's so important that we begin learning how to have conversations with people. And so, uh, for, for instance, if you're dealing with an unbeliever, you know they're lost, you have this desire to learn about them, then the greatest thing that we can do is by, learn, uh, by, by being quiet and listening. You ever uh, thought about uh, using someone's name in a conversation? It, it communicates that you care for them. It communicates, hey, I, I care about you as a person. Uh, I, I think about, uh, if you will, what are the names of your neighbors? Do you know who your neighbors are? On my prayer list, I have the names of my neighbors west of me and across the street and to the east here. I have, those are on my prayer list for their salvation. Do you know the names of your neighbors? The ones that are right across the street, the ones that live to the left and the right of your home, do you know who they are? You see... If we don't know these, then we can never win these. So what can we do? So tonight's about some practical things. We're not going to spend a lot of time flipping back and forth through scriptures, but I want to just encourage you to take notes. I put a lot of this information in the notes that I passed out to you too. Uh, but if you were looking to meet your neighbors, which is I think is important as Christians, God calls us to be a light in the world and carry the gospel out. And so what can we do? One of the things that we've tried to do is carry cookies to our neighbors with church invites or carry cookies to our neighbors on special occasions and try to show them the love of Christ. We, we, I, when, uh, during COVID, I learned that one of the greatest things we can do is just take walks down the neighborhood, down 89 here by the church. And we were able to meet so many people we've never met before. And we were able to share Christ with them because especially during the shutdown, people were lonely and they wanted to have conversations with someone other than uh, their four walls in their home. And so we took walks and we looked for opportunities to talk to people. 
Maybe you can invite other families in your neighborhood to a barbecue or a game night to get to know them. Brother Elliot, I know, is really great about doing game nights with those that he desires to, to influence them for the gospel. That's one of their great outreaches there in South Korea as they desire to, to just win their neighbors. You know, offer a neighbor to help with some yard work and demonstrate the love of Christ. You know, there's so many things that we could do. And we make all kinds of excuses for not knowing who our neighbors are. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm tired when I get home. I, I don't want to go and, and go to somebody else's uh, door and I'm just, just trying to interact with someone else. I just want to sit down and just relax and play with the kids. The kids have homework. The house is a mess. The list goes on and on. But it's only the discipline of viewing the world as a mission field that can drive us to the basic step of just getting to know the people we hope to reach. Do we care enough to reach out? Do we care enough to be involved in their life? As Christ was walking along the sea there of Galilee there, we see that He saw two brethren, Simon and Peter, and then later, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, and then later, again, walking along the sea, they, we see James and John. He didn't have to talk to these. He didn't have to try to witness to them. He didn't have to call them. Could you imagine how differently Christianity would be without the influence of these men? Yet because Christ said, listen, I, want to, I see them, I care to know them, I care to, to call them. Remember, His purpose was to seek and to save the lost. And that involves, that first word is seeking. That means going after, and we must be willing to start a conversation and get to know people. Come out of isolation, come out of seclusion, and have this desire to be able to go out and win. So, therefore, God gives us the great commission. Go ye therefore. That is that call to go, to seek, to find. And so as we see this, God calls us to begin these. And so once we meet with people, it is important that we then also listen to what they have to say. Listen, I, I, I'm thankful for people who are good listeners. Good listeners are a blessing, amen, to have someone around you that can be willing to hear what's going on in your heart and be willing to just to, to listen what's happening. You ever notice in, in marriages, there's two different, people are opposites, <laughs> I mean, so typically you have that person in marriage that talks nonstop. No one's going to say anything. <laughs> we call this the, the some, I don't remember what author wrote it, or maybe it's in the five love languages, but they said, this is the babbling brook. It just keeps rumbling and talking and going. And then you have the opposite, in, which is the Dead Sea. <laughs> Stuff comes in, but nothing comes out. And so you have both of these opposites. And if you're a babbling brook, it is hard sometimes just to sit there and go, i got to listen. And in the conversation, as we witness with people, it is so important that we become good listeners. Good listeners communicate a concern and love for other people. But it's more than just our ears, right? Body language is important too. Good eye contact, being patient and resisting distractions... Maybe if you're playing on your phone while someone's trying to talk to you, I know this, most of the folks in here may not have that issue, but I can tell you it really turns people off from being able to communicate. You know, a lot of times if I'm having a conversation with someone, I just let the phone call go. It's not that important. You're, and people say, well, you can answer that note, and I, I make a point to say, you're more important right now to me than that phone call. 
Listen, you know what that conveys to people is, listen, you are valuable, and people won't ever care what we have to say until they know that they are valued in our eyes. And so, uh, so doing some of those things. But uh, essentially, part of talking is, to, uh, part of listening is to stop talking. So in, in witnessing, especially Earl, it's easy to outline that I generally used, and uh, I'm just going to share it with you pretty quick. It's pretty simple. It's easy to remember. And what I love about it is, is it is so applicable in just starting the conversation. And so I'll call it form, family, occupation, religion, and message. And what I mean by that, this simple guideline helps me to stay on target with guiding a conversation to Christ. And so when I meet new people, invariably, because of the years that I've used this, I always typically go by this. I want to know about their family. Are they married? Do they have children? Do they, does their family live close by? What do they do together for fun? I want to know about their family. Uh, I think that was that next slide there, Abby. And then how about the op- occupation? Is there not one? Oh, it's in your notes. I'm sorry. I was trying to remember what it was. How about their occupation? Where do they work? What, what do they do in their job? Uh, you know, not just their place of employment. What do they do in that job? Do they like that job? Did they have to go to school for that job? I want to know about them. These are a lot of questions. I want them to talk because once people have talked out, then they're willing to listen. And so then I take from that and I go to religion. And so during this conversation, I'm looking and listening for clues. I'm listening, uh, maybe they have a cross necklace on. Maybe they have, uh, they, I, I see in their home a Bible, or maybe there's something on them that makes me, reminds me of something religious. And so, something like, I noticed your cross necklace. What does that mean to you? I noticed your Bible. Did you, do you go to church somewhere? And then finally is the message. And this is the goal as a believer because I want to share with them the hope that's, that the pages of Scripture has. And this is what Jesus did is He saw these men. He, he looked at them, saw what they were doing. Perhaps there was some conversation going on. But essentially, His final statement was, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That was the message. That was what He was there for. And using this information that I've gleaned from the conversation, I can intentionally direct this conversation towards Christ. Some Christians may feel these kind of questions are maybe unspiritual or cunning. It's not being a salesman. The truth is just getting to know someone is part of evangelism. And if, it, uh, if uh, as, as the saying is, if they don't care how much you know until they uh, know how much you care. And so let us make that a priority. Think about friends that you've had for a while. Those neighbors we already know. Maybe there's some questions that we can ask that can achieve the same results. We're, essentially, we're looking to draw out uh, thoughts to, while providing opportunity to share personal uh, the, all that Christ has done for us. And so uh, some common questions for those maybe you know. Uh, in the midst of a conversation, you can ask questions like uh, if they said, well, I made the decision uh, to, to leave that job or whatever. You could say, how did you make that decision? What was the term, determining factor? Well, I prayed about it. You know, it gives a, gives a great open door there. Uh, or what motivated you to choose this job? What is, why is that so important to you? You know, just these questions that helps us be able to, to probe a little deep, deeper into people's life. Listen, there's going to be some times where I talk to people, my kids will still tell you about the day we met the person who was abducted by aliens. <laughs> True story. Knocking doors, and my kids are with me, and this, well, this lady comes to the door, and we're, we're talking to her about church and Christ, and, and she, says, she says, yeah, it's just like that time I was abducted by aliens. And I said, what? 
That was a new one on me. I'd never heard that. Listen, you don't have to affirm the weird things that someone says. You don't have to accept it, but you do need to listen and give, look for an opportunity to present the, the, the gospel as the Lord allows. The reality is we like to talk about ourselves. That's why we have Facebook. That's why we have uh, we take selfies. That's why we have iPhones, because we care about me, myself, and I. It's a plague today. So it's not going to be about me trying to interject my own ideas or opinions, but instead I want to just develop a, a good, trusting relationship in step one. Do you trust me enough for me to share what I've learned about Christ with you? Step two, I want to go a little deeper. Pose a pro probing question. Throughout conversations, we're looking for the right bridge to the gospel. For some people, this bridge is natural, but many Christians find difficulty here in this situation. And if I can be honest, there have been times when I have, there have not always been that natural bridge from the conversation to the, the spiritual things, from the natural conversation to the spiritual conversation. And so there have been times where I've just said, uh, you know, I've got an important thing to ask you. And I just jumped like jumping off a cliff. Those are few and far between, because if you're listening closely, you can find some sort of a bridge into this. And so this, pros of probing, uh, this probing questions in gives us some of those bridges, those opportunities to go. Look in John chapter 4 and verse number 14 with, with me in, in your Bible. Sometimes this, these conversations move easily, but not always unless we steer it that way. And that's what we find Jesus in John chapter 4. Here was Jesus yet again talking with a woman whom he met at the well. And uh, we will actually be here on Sunday morning, so I'm not going to go too much in depth here. Uh, but as we find this, uh, that Jesus is here with a woman of Samaria, and she was a, a woman who had been married multiple times. She had, was living with a, a man at this point in her life. And in John chapter 4, we see that he is sitting here at the well side, and so water is the most obvious subject matter that's there. And so in verse number 14, he uses that common ground there, that water. And he's, I'm back up to verse 13 in your Bible. It says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Talking about this water down in this well. As good as it is, you're going to thirst again in, a, in just an hour or two hours. But it's for, verse 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. You see, this, this uh, one verse, he moved from the secular topic of water to the spiritual topic of the living water. In the same way, as he was walking by the seashore with Simon Peter, he, where they were probably talking about fishing, how's the fishing today? You know, we don't have a lot of the details of the conversation in this narrative here in uh, Matthew chapter 4, but what we do see is that Christ used the analogy of fishing to deal with the real purpose that He was there and calling Him to follow Him. And so Jesus moved easily from the temporal to the spiritual things. And so how do you, how do, you do that? Here's a few things, examples that may work. For example, if someone mentions, my health is failing or my health is getting weaker, or, I'm having some health problems. He says, with your health weakening, are you thinking about where you will spend eternity? That's good. Or how about if somebody's at a funeral? You know, very oftentimes, these are very tender times in people's lives when they're thinking about heaven and hell and death. What, what happens when I die? 
or if somebody is, uh, complains that they were been stolen from, or maybe someone has stolen, why is it wrong to steal? Where does that even come from? Where does that moral law come from? Is it just wrong to steal because someone says it's wrong? It's wrong because God says it's wrong. And the reality is, is that all of us have broken His commandments and come short of the glory of God. Or who determines whether something is right or wrong? Another one along those same veins. What do you think God requires of us to get into heaven? You know, what a great opportunity to steer this conversation from maybe something mundane. Maybe, uh, maybe you're talking about getting in, trying to get into uh, uh, Orlando, Florida. You know, trying to get tickets down there, and you can't because they only have a limited amount of tickets. And, and so, you know, what, is, what, is, what do you think it is in heaven? Do you think it's limited in heaven? No, absolutely not. But it's a great jumping point for the gospel, a great opportunity to carry the gospel forward. Or why do you think that it is rich people seldom seem happy? What a great question. <laughs> Where do you get your information about God? Christ or eternity. You know, because we get ours from the Bible. How does someone of your religion get into heaven? These questions reveal a lot about what's in the heart of the person so that we know where to take them with the gospel. Because the more you talk to the person, the more opportunities you have to jump from the normal conversations to the spiritual. And when you know that a person is going, uh, what a person is going through in life, you're better able to bridge the conversation to Christ. If you're frustrated about something at work, ask why. If he's delighted about things in life shared, uh, that, uh, and share about these joyous things, ask why that particular things bring happiness. Finally, the last step here is ask a direct question. And this is so important. When we deal with the gospel, we must get to the point. You know, and we don't, I, want to, I don't want to bog down in the journey here. I want to be able to get people to the message. We've talked to someone maybe about their work, their family, their church. Maybe they've shared your personal testimony. It is time to move into the deeper spiritual things by asking direct questions. So at this point, you can ask a direct question such as, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? What are, or maybe another one is, what are God's requirements to enter into heaven? Especially depending on the, the, what, what the previous conversation has led to. But the key is, this has got to be a direct question. What, if, if, God were to, if you were to die today and stand before the Lord, why would He allow you in? You'll get a wide, wide range of responses, trust me. A lot of times it's something like these. I think God will accept me because I'm a pretty good person. Or man is basically good and can work his way into heaven. And it's hard to deny that when you look at a baby and how pretty and beautiful they are until they start screaming. Or maybe someone says, well, God loves us too much to condemn anyone to hell. I think Christ was just a good man, nothing more than that. So some things that you can do, these are all works-based responses and provide a really uh, a useful springboard for us to be able to share God's Word with them. And so responses may include something like, the Bible says God's standard for entering heaven is much different. It's not based on man's standards. And so can I show you what God requires? Or I, I can tell you've thought about your answer, but it is different from what the Bible says. May I show you what the Bible says about that issue? Again, we're coming back to the Scripture. We're going from this normal conversation, this 
temporal conversation to the eternal because the goal is to point them to Christ in everything. Or I heard what you said about God being too loving to send anyone to hell, but the Bible says you missed a very important fact. May I share with you what he said about himself? Or I'm sure you try to be a good person, but the Bible says you're missing something. May I share with you what it is? Obviously, at this point, when you when you get an affirmative in those questions, it's a great opportunity to share the gospel. And we talked about the, just the essential elements of the gospel a couple of weeks ago. And those basic things, going just right down the Romans road as we talked about last week, being able to share the message is so essential with people. But this can be sometimes the most intimidating part, is just getting to the message. And so tonight I wanted to give you some tools for your toolbox that you can say, listen, I can, I can take my neighbor then to Christ. I can take them from where they are, from talking about our broken down lawnmower to heaven and talking about there will never be anything more, anything broken again in heaven because it's perfect there. And there's only one way to get there. And so the deal is, is that as believers, God wants us to continue to share the gospel and to point people to him every single way that we can. And so our job is to clearly present the gospel message. Your job, my job, our job is to say, Lord, this is my responsibility to share the gospel. And our effectiveness is gauged by the clarity of the gospel message that has been given, not by the response of the unbeliever. I, think, I was thinking about some of the missionaries that have served overseas in different places for years upon years without any converts where they, it wasn't anything of their fault. It was hard hearts that God had to break through. And until those hearts could be broken through, you know, you know it, was, it was nothing that they, were being, they weren't being lazy. It was nothing on their, their, their side. They were faithful witnesses. And so God is the one that gives us the increase. And so we trust Him with that. But let me just say that there will be some that as we approach with the gospel, some may mock the message. Some may say, listen, the this is garbage. I don't want to hear anything about it. And Christ told his disciples in Matthew 10, 14, And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. So we see that when the unbeliever has made a fully informed decision to reject the gospel, that, uh, that God has called us to carry the gospel to the next person. If you're rejected, remember... It's not a time to be able to, to, to try to argue or try to uh, try your best apologetics move on them, but instead let God use your spirit of humility uh, to confront that hard heart and leave the results up to the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, as Paul was writing to the church here, and he makes this statement in verse 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So when, when we don't see this come to fruition, sometimes we, th we take it personally. Man, this, it's my fault. It's, you know, they, they, it, it, I didn't sell myself well. Listen, we're not salesmen. We have the pr privilege to witness, to, to testify of the things that we have seen and heard. And as we do so, God is the one that gives the increase. God is the one that is, uh, that is responsible uh, for the winning. And so we see here that when unbelievers reject the gospel, they're not rejecting you or me. They're rejecting Christ. Tragically, that's their choice. But we must remember that God has called us to be faithful to represent the message clearly and lovingly and leave the results to God. 
So don't be discouraged if this is, this is where you find yourself. And finally, let me encourage you, let us continue in prayer. We have to pray. We cannot stop praying. Let the person know, even when, if, when, if they reject the gospel, that you were there. to. If you've got any questions going forward, let me know. I want to I help you. Uh, and don't cut the, the conversation off. Or just say, listen, I'm here for you, and I'm praying for you. And if there's anything I can do, leave that door of uh, opportunity open. J.I. Packer wrote, We glorify God by evangelizing, not only because evangelizing is an act of obedience, but also because in evangelism, we tell the world what great things God has done for the salvation of sinners. God is glorified when His mighty works of grace are made known. And so may we as a church say, you know what, I, I, I want God to use me to be able to win my neighbor. I want God to use me to be able to win uh, the, the, the people in my circle of influence around me. And may, whether it's your Facebook post to be able to post your personal testimony like Mr. Wayne, uh, uh, Wainwright did, or whether it's some other platform that God has given you, let me just encourage you to continue to have that heart and that burden for sharing the gospel of Jesus with those around you, and then intentionally look for opportunities to develop relationships with people. I think about in church on Sunday mornings when it's an exciting time when we have visitors and guests with us. And those visitors and those guests can be so influenced for the gospel. If you will say, listen, I'm going to make it my personal vendetta. I'm going to make it my personal uh, job to be able to go to that person and say, I want to invite them to, to lunch this Sunday with me and my family for the purpose of sharing the gospel with them. I'm going to follow the form. I'm just going to go family, occupation, religion. I'm going to get to the message because that's where it's at. And that's where God has called us. Every one of us can have that kind of influence. It's not just the preacher. It's not just the Sunday school teacher. It's all of us in this room tonight. And every Christian, God has called us to reproduce ourselves. So may God give us a heart for winning the lost.